Hi, I'm Trinity Wheeler. And I'm Alan Shaw. And this is Rhapsody Radio. We are back. Yes, we are. So Alan went on an adventure this week with Jen Bellini. Uh, yes, I did. Um, so Jen, do you want to start it out? <laughs> okay, so I finally got Alan to commit to going to Hilo with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. fun, right? So, I, so, so, so Hilo is this, it's what, high-intensity interval training gym, right? And they have yoga and bar. Yeah, so, it's kind so of, they're the high and then the, the low. low. Oh, right. yeah, perfect. Right. Get it. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, I see what they did there. Oh, yeah, wait. <laughs> so I can, Alan commits to going. I pick him up, and we're driving, and we're just chatting, and we pull in the parking lot, and this is the funniest part. <laughs> He's like, Jen... And I look over, and I could just see this look on his face. He's like, "I'm, I'm really nervous." <laughs> and I'm like, I was. "And I'm like, I was and, really nervous. and I'm thinking to myself, oh no." Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, "Am I gonna be the only guy in there?" <laughs> I'm like, because I saw all these like really hot women, and they're like Lulu pants, and like I was like. I have like a um, mayhem shirt on, like a CrossFit shirt on, and I, and I was like, uh, okay, here we go." So we walk in, and of course, it's a beautiful facility. You walk in, and it's like it looks like a Zen garden, and mm-hmm. um, and we saw Keith there, and then I looked into the room where we were going to be doing um, doing the fitness, um, <laughs> and. I, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I'm literally a 70-year-old man, and I can't see in the dark. And I looked at Jen, and I was like, you're going to have to show me where everything is, because I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> she just started laughing. She's like, it's okay. We're going to start on the bike. And so I literally held her hand, and we walked in, and we yeah, got yeah, on the bike. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, here's the funniest part. So we're in class, and I don't know if it's like three-quarters of the way through, let's just say. And Alan's next to me, and we were doing... I don't know, bridge glute, some kind of exercise on the bench. I don't remember exactly yeah. what it was. And I see Keith out of the corner of my eye, and he's got this big, heavy weight he's carrying. And I'm like thinking to myself, oh, he's going to bring that to Alan. And, I'm, and right before this, Alan had looked over and said, Jen, I'm going to puke. Like, I'm literally going to puke. I said, where is the trash can? Yeah. I was like, I can't see it. I need to know where the trash yeah. can yeah. is. So I see him coming over with this weight, and... And um, he brings it over to Alan, and he takes the smaller one away. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's really going to puke. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was funny because I was like, with the 30-pound dumbbell, we were doing our glute bridges. It was awesome. And then all of a sudden, Keith comes over with a 70-pound dumbbell, and he's like, here you go. And I was like, uh-huh. I didn't know it was 70. I yeah, just, it oh, looked, yeah. It, it looked went really from big. from 30 to 70, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, thank you so much. I better have an ass so- like J-Lo after this. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, we love Keith. Keith comes we to do. our gym to work out. Yes. So at Hilo, he is the... He's the director of operations. Yes. And he coaches as well. Yeah. And, and he works out at Rhapsody as well. Yes. And he, we're always like kicking his ass. So this was a yeah. little bit of payback. Yes, it so was. So Alan made a visit. Major and, payback. Um, it Major. Was Major. Yes. I had a great time though. It was a really fun class. It was. It I was. love the dynamic. Yeah. He's an amazing coach. Yep. Um, all the movements that we do, I literally like my butt hurt for the, it's been hurting for the last three days. Well, that's because we yeah. went to butt and ab class. Yeah. yeah. Was, because every day nice. they have a different body part. Or, yeah. That they're working. That's so. fun. That's awesome. Different. Yeah. Yeah. So on today's podcast, Woo-hoo. we have Hillary Johnson yeah. from Hatch hey. Tribe. Hillary was one of the first people that we met when we moved to Charleston, so we will be back with her soon. Hillary Johnson, welcome What's to Rhapsody up? Radio. Hello! <laughs> What's up? 
So you are the founder and CEO of Hatch Tribe, which is a network designed to help female entrepreneurs connect, learn, and grow. You got it. When we first came wow. to Charleston, Mary Beth Henderson introduced us to you. She said, this is like the person that you have to meet. She's got this awesome business here. And um, we hit it off. You were at our gym in the very beginning. Yeah. Like, like yeah, it was the, the, the actual, first the class. First, the first like, day, our opening day. You were there. I don't there. even think it was no, no, opening. No. It was like pre-opening yeah, class. Yeah, there was like... We were, t- we were flipping that? tires. I remember yes. that. We were oh, flipping yes. tires. <laughs> and there was I no floor. I still have bruises on my yeah. arms. <laughs> yeah. This is like before we had lights in the gym, like before the floor was down. Like yeah. We had a little like teaser workout. There and was you, like a forklift in the back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And dust I remember that. Yeah. And then yeah. look there, you've been with us forever. I know. It's so it's exciting awesome. to see you guys grow yeah. and like the lot's happened. And a lot has happened. It's it's crazy that it hasn't even been a year yet since yeah. we opened the gym. Like 10 months now. 10 right? months. And mm-hmm. it's That's just. It's amazing. Yeah. It's going strong. Heck yeah. Going strong. So Hillary, why Charleston? What, what made you come here? Well, I was living in Chicago immediately prior to living in Charleston. And I um, worked a corporate job there. And when I was trying to figure out what business I wanted to create and run because I knew I wanted to leave the corporate job. Um, Charleston was on the map, but it wasn't the only city. There were like a Mm -hmm. plethora of cities. It's like, do I want to live in Seattle? Do I want to live in Portland? Do I want to live in Austin? You know, and I was really trying to ferret out like the best place for me to be. Mm -hmm. And Charleston, you know, it felt like home. I grew up in Hickory, North Carolina, and Mm -hmm. my grandmother lives here in Charleston, and my parents met and married here. And so I'd grown up coming here as a kid, and it felt like a place that I could come back to and, like, get back in the South, but it had enough going on that it felt sexy and fun, but it was, like, also a really right place to be for the business that I wanted to create. Yeah, that was the same story for us. I mean, I grew up in Texas. Alan grew up in Indiana, Mm -hmm. and, you know, having lived in New York for 15 years, when we we found Charleston, we were like, oh, it's the South, and there's really cool people, and the food's great, and I love the the, the pace of it, so it. Really but it also had this like Brooklyny vibe to it. Like it does. there was there. There's it's like it's sort of kooky in a way, but then you also have that laid back feeling, and uh, you can really build things that you want to create. Yeah. You know, or have the have the ability to create that. Without a doubt. And I think a lot of that's emerged in the last several years Mm -hmm. because more and more people have moved in from outside. So Mm -hmm. it's not just the southern sleepy town that it once was. Like we we now have a lot of influence here that we didn't have before. So it's made it a really vibrant, amazing city. I love that. I yeah. love that. Let's be real. Yeah. It's all about the food. It's all about the food. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all talk a good game. It's all about the food. You're right about that. I said to Alan, I said, if, if you want to not be in shape, just open a business. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Especially a gym. You're like, I love fitness. And then you get into it and you're like, I get to work out once a week. Okay. It's yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you came from the corporate world. Yeah. And what made you want to transition out of that into starting your own, your own business? You know, I, I don't think I always knew that I wanted to own a business. It was more that I found myself in the environment working working in a corporate space and thinking, this sucks. It was just mm-hmm. something about it didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just felt like I was always, like, bucking the system. Yeah. And I'm like, well, fuck y'all. You know, like, yeah. I'm going to go do something on my own at some point because yeah, I'm yeah. so sick of this. It was just, like, you know, meeting after meeting, nothing productive's happening. And I'm a person who takes, like, real accountability in my work. And I'm like, we're going nowhere. We're having meetings to have meetings and nothing's happening. And right. and I want to really move my own mountains. And so it was really more driven from, like, my desire to create and to do something that was on my own where I really could move the ball and create change. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, it, it, and, and frankly, like growing up, I had no inclination 
and I wanted to own a business. Mm-hmm. You know, it just wasn't on the radar. Right. And so, you know, for me, it was more like just that that drive of like, I want something that's my own that I really can create and do with that led that path. But then it was how the heck do you figure out what to do? And I think that's a problem that that many of us face, whether you're still working for someone else or you're really trying to strive on your own. It's like, well, what the heck do you do? And yeah. for most people, it's not a very clear path. It takes a while to figure that out. And right. it did for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And, Go ahead, Jen. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, I'm from the corporate world. So, you know, I yeah. have the conference calls after conference calls all day. You know. Um, and I would really like to hear your story of your transition. Yeah. So when you made that jump from corporate America to entrepreneurship, yeah. what did that look like for you? Well, okay, so I I was working in the beer business, and I was working with Miller Brewing that later became Miller Coors, Mm -hmm. and I started with the company in Tampa, Florida, and worked with them for about eight years, and wound up living in five cities, so if you imagine the pace of that, it was like I was moving every year to two years, and so the last move took me from Nashville to Chicago, and when I got to Chicago, I thought, oh, like, this is a big job, it was a huge job, and I loved a lot of the work that I was doing, but I also didn't love a lot of the corporate structure and the city I was living in because it was, you know, as a girl from the South, I was like, hmm, you can't be outside for like six months out of the year. (laughs) And you don't even need sunglasses. Like this is depressing, (laughs) you know? So the transition uh, for me basically was two years. So I was working in Chicago, going to that job every day and coming home at night and like sitting there and trying to figure out how to run a business. And like, what was I going to do? What were the ideas I wanted to pursue? And then when I had some ideas, I was thinking about, okay, are they real prospects? Does this have the ability to make money? Right. And so I... What, what were some of those ideas? Like, oh. did you have some like, uh, oh. that were, you were like, yeah, we're going to put that in the trash. And like, <laughs> like, yeah, I want to hear those. Like, yes. <laughs> what were those moments? Because I've had a few of Ooh. those. I mean, yeah. I had notebooks. Like, I would yeah. sit down at night, no doubt, with a glass of wine. And I'd yeah. be like, okay, I'm going to try to come up with like a list of ideas that sound cool. And so it was like everything <laughs> yes. from, like, I'm going to become a yoga teacher because everybody wants to do that at some point in time, right? right? Yeah. 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 And then it was, I'm going to move to Mexico <laughs> and I'm going to open yeah. a Hacienda bed and breakfast. Uh, um, nice. That I'm sounds so- fucking amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> can you, can you yeah. do that now anyway? Yeah. I, theoretically, yes. Yeah. Um, and b- become a photographer, buy an El Camino, drive across country, take photos all the way across the U.S., yeah. take my dog with me. Why um, an El Camino? Because <laughs> it's business in the front and party in the back. That's, that's oh, right. good, okay. good, good I one. I get yeah. that. I get that. Yeah, that's like me and fitness. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Alan, my goodness. There's a lot in the back. <laughs> So that to say, there were boatloads of ideas that were were not really viable. Mm. And so as I was like working through the ones that were, what I started to land on was this idea of producing festivals and events. And that was the first business that I did. But but to answer your question, I really spent two years really working hard to come up with what that idea was, making sure it was viable, building out the business plan, doing significant amount of research and saving money so I could give myself right. a runway. Right. Because I really had to make a clean break. I mean, there was no way I was going to produce a festival in Charleston living in Chicago working a full-time job like I really had to take that right that and that's kind of where I am out. right now like I'm still working full-time yeah. and I'm trying to run a business and it's very difficult to yeah. do both it's a challenge there's no doubt uh, we had a meeting at the gym this week with with Jen and a couple other people that are starting their own you know nutrition business yeah. and some pers- a physical therapy business and it's that it's that whole idea of you don't need to be fully baked before you get going right and, and, it, and my whole thing was like when we were creating raps. He's like, I got to have this, 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 this. And we finally said, wait a minute, what do we stand for? Mm -hmm. And let's just keep going back to that and keep it simple 
because this, the simpler we kept it in the beginning, we felt like we could get started. Yeah. Because I feel like so many people have amazing ideas, but it's just kind of failure to launch. It just mm-hmm. never gets off the ground because yeah. I think you're so overwhelmed with being perfect. Yes. Yeah. But you're also like focusing on the light fixtures versus actually focusing on the foundation of the house. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you look at the pretty stuff when in yeah, reality, yeah. that like core value mission, all that stuff mm-hmm. that gets, you know, laid down at the very beginning has to be there. Yeah. So you have something to fall back on yeah. when you're like, and I, okay, where are we going next? No doubt. Like, so like if yeah. you have a great idea, like what is your recommendation from your experience of like, how, how do you get it started? Yeah. You know, how do you make that first step? Yeah. I mean, it's, you can, to your point, you can only prepare so much until there's a moment where there's nowhere left to go mm-hmm. because the next step is like, you really have to put the idea or the concept or the thing into the market and let the market react. So it's like, no matter what the idea is, it's like, if you don't have a buyer, we don't have a market. Right. So we have to put it out there. And so I think to your point, it's like, you can't, it, and it will never be perfect. I mean, even owning businesses now for eight years, it's still not perfect. And I'm still fighting the perfectionist card, you know? Right. But yeah. I think the key is put the idea out there and you need the market to respond to it. And once they do, you have data and it's real data. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, it's just research and it's like, oh, I think this, I think that. Well, we need to know. And the only way we know is by really putting it out and letting people respond to our work. And the same would apply in like arts. So it's not just about like business. It's like even in creative pursuits, like you just got to put it out there. And that's yeah. your only job. Your job is not to figure out whether or not someone's going to like you or whether they'll respond to you, whether they'll buy you or whether they'll feel you. Yeah. Like you can't control any of that. The only piece you can control is doing it and putting it out. And being in being authentic. Uh, 100%. Right? It, because if it's not authentic, then, yeah. that, then that's, that's Let it be you from go. you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I also think one of the things we haven't touched on yet is that deep, ugly fear of failure. And that's where so much of this is seeded is you don't, you don't want to fail and you don't want to fail in front of people you respect with some, you know, with your business baby, Mm -hmm. with this idea that you love. And so talk to us a little bit about the failure gremlin. Yeah. And just how, how did you navigate that when you, when you went out on your own and you started your own business? Like, how did you move past that? And then um, how did you, how did you deal with the inevitable failures yeah. and learn from them? Oh, I got so much in this basket of goods. We can, we can unpack <laughs> this for days. Um, initially, you know, when you are, you're formulating this business idea or thing you want to do, my, my dad was the one who gave me just this very simple piece of advice. He was like, Hillary, at some point you're just going to have to take the leap. And it, it is, it mm-hmm. is a leap of faith because you really don't know. And, and that's all you can do. You can know that you've done the best you can at that point in time, you put it out into the world and that's it. Mm-hmm. And let the market just see what it does or the people see how they respond. But once you've done that, the initial leap looking back is very small because mm-hmm. the progressive leaps, once you already own your own business or you're doing your own thing, become progressively bigger. Um, but you get better at it over time. So it's like, you're now not so concerned. You're like, all right, I'm going to go. And you, you iterate quicker. So you bring ideas to market faster. You do things with less concern over whether or not people will love it or they won't, but it comes over time and through a lot of hard lessons. But I think fear of failure is huge. And I think it holds a lot of us back in any given moment from doing what's kind of in our hearts or what we really feel like we should do. Um, but you do overcome it. And I think like a good story to point to is um, 
the first year of our business, we produced a music festival that was called Spring Jam Music Fest. And it was a two-day music festival at Brittle Bank Park. And the very first year, Ed Sheeran headlined for us, mm -hmm. which was amazing. What? Like, it was a huge win for us to have gotten that. And um, it was in March in Charleston. And, uh, you know, the weather can be hit or miss in March. And so... As we're approaching the festival date, I'm thinking like, all right, are we can get a win or not? And you're stalking the weather. Well, it started out okay the first day, like kind of okay. But that night, thunderstorms swept through. It, the river flooded. Brittlebank flooded. The water was up over the road. Everything on the site had been like wiped aside. And like we had to postpone the festival, push it back a couple hours. Ed Sheeran's management team was like looking at the stage and like, we don't even know if this is safe to put him on the stage. And, and I'm like you know, you're having a heart attack like mm -hmm, while this is going mm -hmm. on, but yeah. you're also like, you have to problem solve. Like you have no other choice. Like the show must go on. Yeah. So we're doing everything we can. We're like, where do we get towels? And we're like at the Marriott across the street, like robbing towels out of the hotel rooms, like <laughs> just trying to get stuff to clean off the stage. It was ridiculous. We, we were not prepared for this first festival. Yeah. So we survive. We get through it. Ed Sheeran performs. The festival's great. Like the people that were there were happy. They're wearing their mud boots. They're out there just in the rain. Yeah, They're nuts, course, you yeah. know? Well, then comes the day after, you know, and now we're like wrapping everything up and like reconciling the books. And by the end of this, we lost $30,000 on that event. Mm -hmm. And when you're producing festivals of that kind, you don't have the ability to recoup it until the next big event. And the next big event we had was not until two months later. Mm -hmm. And then the next one was like eight months later, you know, so it's like a slow window to overturn. And I, at that point was like, maybe I've really screwed up here. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's now the time to like, just pack up my shit yeah. and like go yeah, back and right. get a corporate job. Yeah. And I called a lot of people and like cried and sobbed and did all the things, mm -hmm. you know? Cause I really, it felt terrible. I'd never had a loss like that. Mm -hmm. And, and there was so much of it was so public. And of course, you know, it's, People were there, you know, you're talking like thousands of people were there. They mm -hmm. saw it happen, you know, and then there's like, oh, the, but it was so great. And I'm like, yeah, it was. And we've lost $30,000. Yeah. And like, I don't know how if the hell only it made up. more money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If only. Yeah. So, you know, you do overcome it. And I'm not suggesting that you need to lose $30,000 to learn that lesson, but it gets better over time. So it's like the more we put ourselves out there and we get a chance at like doing something big and seeing what happens, you, it, it's easier to take those leaps. And like now I still face it. I still have moments where I'm like, like what if this doesn't work? You yeah. know, like what am I going to do? But you just keep going and somehow it works out. You land on your feet. You, yeah. you do land on your feet. And it's always, you know, when I was, I was growing up in Texas and, you know, I told my parents I wanted to do theater and, and for my career. And it was like, oh, but, you know, you really should go to school so you have a fallback. And I was like, well, you know, I left home when I was 18. I went on my first national tour when I was 18. And I said, I didn't have a fallback. But when you don't have a fallback, you just don't fall back. Right. You yeah. just keep going and you have to yes. make it work. <laughs> So I did this, this meeting at the gym this week, and we, I did a, a marketing 101 for the team there about how, how to really get their business started. And it was a lot of information. I felt in a bit I overwhelmed them with information. But Oh, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so much good. It was interesting because I, I was taking class right before that, and I see Trinity, yeah. I see Trinity come in, and he's behind the whiteboard, and he's writing, and he's writing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is he writing on the whiteboard? So I sneak over, and I kind of peek around, and I'm like, Oh, this is scary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was full, y'all. It was. Like it every was. square inch of that board was covered, covered. Love in it. all things marketing. 
Yeah, but and, and so I presented this whole thing. I mean, how do you get started and how do you get your mm-hmm. name out there and how do you make a difference in the community? And I said, if you just pick three of these, yes, just start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you know, have the entire social world figured out or the whole marketing world or, you know, the whole partnerships and events. Just mm-hmm. pick three and get started. So hopefully, you know, yeah. that will pay off. I want to say something connected to this because I think the tendency is for for a lot of us, it's like we have multiple interests, right? So we go after a lot of different things. And and that's the joy of having, in many cases, being born in the U.S., living here. We have a lot at our disposal at any given moment. And there is great joy in experiencing things that you don't normally. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like a pursuit of something, especially around your business, if you are only an inch deep and you're a mile wide across the efforts that you're doing, you get nowhere. Like literally you get nowhere. As opposed to if you picked, to your point, one or two, three things, and we say, in this case, I want to go like a mile deep. Mm-hmm. That's it. I just need to go an inch wide and like a mile deep. That's the win. And that's, that's where true. you really become really good at what you do. Mm-hmm. It's scalable. You can learn faster. And you really see the growth, especially in your business. So it's like, don't make the mistake of like going out and just picking off a bunch of little things and doing half-ass. Like yeah, We yeah. need to go mile deep. Yeah. And that's where the win comes. Absolutely. Well, and I think to add to that, not only when you go a mile wide are you going to be less effective, it's exhausting. Yeah. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot in the entrepreneurial space is just pace and stamina. <laughs> yeah. Because this is a marathon, not a sprint. Without a doubt. Right. So, you know, going after or hustling after every shiny penny will just wear you out. Mm-hmm. And you may be able but to... But in sus- the beginning, I mean, that's what it feels like. Of course. Oh, yeah. Right. You feel like, oh God, I got to pick up that penny and that penny. That, that's going <laughs> to yeah. make a $100. Yeah. And then I'm going to get that other hunt. That, yeah. That's what it feels like. But then after a while, you have to simplify. Yes. Right? Because then you have all of these buckets that you're trying to put shit in. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, you're like, I don't know where to even begin or go. Yeah. Um, and so it's like paring it back down to being like, okay, <clears throat> let's make it as simple as you possibly can. What are your three main objectives that you need mm-hmm. to accomplish right now? Yeah. And like do those on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I'm right. still on a daily and, basis. And, trying and it's to okay to sure. say no. Oh, yes. you need oh, yeah. to. I, I learned yes. that early on because people try to pull you in a million directions. Let's let's do this or let's do this. Well, because they're doing the same thing. Yep. Right. Because they're they're in that also that boat. Absolutely. Right. And it's okay to say no. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I will say on the the topic of no, I put a poll on my Insta stories, like maybe, I don't know, a month or so ago. And I asked a question that was like, uh, around the idea of saying no, like, do you find it hard or do you, do you do it regularly? And the responses were resounding. There were very few people who said, yes, I say no on a, a regular basis. And I also ask for help like that column, very few. Most fell into like, I know I should, but I don't do it all the time. And it was the vast majority were living in that camp. And it tells me that that's not just happening in business. It's happening in our lives. It's like we tend to, to want to please in mm-hmm. lots of ways. And so we say yes to things that don't feel to totally aligned to us and what we want to do, but mm-hmm. we do them in, in many cases from like a, a good place in heart, but they might not be the best serving for like our own lives. Yeah. Right. And yeah. a way it feel, uh, and it's having that battle inside your head of being like, am I being selfish right now? Yeah. Versus yeah. actually being like, well, it doesn't really line up with exactly how I feel intrinsically inside my gut. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like with when we were opening Rhapsody, um, the moments that we followed our gut is take Trust it takes it's leveled us up. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know the moments that we've been like, mm, well, this doesn't feel exactly right, but let's go with it. It's uh-huh. always landed on its ass. Yeah, and it's like you know, 
So here's the thing. Like, I love business. I could talk business for days. Yeah. What I've had to, to really teach myself and, and try to become much better at is about taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have all these pursuits and you're building this business and it becomes like it's not nine to five. You know, it is no. 24-7. <laughs> Yes. So <laughs> there's a Nine lot of nodding going on seven. at the head or yeah. the table here. <laughs> how how do you find time and how do you make time for you? Because I believe if you aren't fully happy and fulfilled and, and you know refueling yourself, you can't put any more into your business. So mm-hmm. how do how do you manage that? I just make the time. I mean, I know that that sounds really flippant, but like I schedule my time really deliberately. Like Mm -hmm. I don't wake up every morning and think, what am I doing today? I've done that the day prior, you know, so I really plan it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay. And, and Sunday for me is like one of my favorite days out of the week. I use Sunday to sit and look at my whole week and be like, okay, where am I going to work out? What am I doing? What am I eating? Um, and I really plan it, you know, so I put in like say an hour's worth of work to, to set myself up for what I'd call success the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and do I execute it hundred percent? No, of course not. You know, like things happen, but if I really put that time in, then usually I'll execute it. Like I'll live by my plan and go by the schedule and like it's there. Um, but it's easy, I think, for the mental chatter to start to reprioritize what's even in your calendar to be like, oh, I mean, work's feeling cray and I got to get on this and I do this and like, oh God, this other thing blew up and like, you know, and you're on this rat race and then suddenly it's like five o'clock and you're like, I do not want to go to the gym at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Oh, at yeah. all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there are days where I lose that battle and mm-hmm. then I find myself working and then drinking and then eating something gross and then thinking, why did I just do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're really hot. I'm just a little curvier the next morning and then like okay okay uh Chloe you're really fit too (laughs) I mean you do you take care of yourself really a a lot I try you've done what 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 kind of fitness things have you done you've you've sort of dipped your toe in a lot yeah I mean I grew up dancing I was a dancer you know and so for me physical activity was like always part of my jam but when I left dance behind I was like now what um running was a part of my life for a while Ran a marathon, just checked the box and said I could do it. And then was like, never again. Yeah. Um, now I run a little for joy, you know, and I, I lift, I love lifting weights. And to me, it feels like I get good, like inner, inner strength, you mm-hmm. know, while I'm in there and I'm like, yes. And when I'm like lifting heavier and heavier, I'm like, oh, look at me, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And then when the boys are looking at me, I'm like, yes, That's look at right. me, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have gotten stronger. I will show you, you know? But, um, yeah. I, I mean, that's a big thing for me in, at Rhapsody is that I, you you know, I love working with the men in our community, mm-hmm. but it's really the wins that I have with the females mm-hmm. uh, that make like it really just makes me love what I do. Yeah, because it has this little light. You see, you literally see a light bulb go off above yeah. their head, being like, "Oh wow, I didn't think I could do that." Yes. I was like, "Yeah, you do. Yeah, you are a badass bitch." All right. Well, and I think what's cool is like the halo effect to the rest of your life is really powerful. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. the stronger yeah. you become in one <clears throat> camp, it, it you're like, oh, it's a confidence boost. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm able to lift this or do this or achieve this in this one area of my life, I now feel more confident to step into this other camp in my life. So mm-hmm. if it's over to your business world or to mm-hmm. like your family life or personal pursuits, it's like you just build confidence and you can build that in many ways. But I think the cross training across these different areas of your yeah. life is yeah. really cool and watching it interplay. Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I mean, massive success for our business it would not have been possible without the group that we put around us and this mm-hmm. idea of surrounding yourself with expertise, mm-hmm. and that's what Hatch Tribe does. Yeah. 
So tell me about that and how you kind of came up with that concept yeah. and, and, and how you support people, you know, taking that first step. Yeah. So what became abundantly clear to me after starting my very first business is that, um, I really lacked the right community, you know, so when I was thinking about growing my business and, and figuring it out, cause it's really complicated. Um, I didn't have the right people around me. You know, mm-hmm. I had plenty of pr- friends that were in the corporate world and pr- plenty, oh, that was a mouthful, plenty <laughs> of friends that were not, mm-hmm. you know, and I had family that was supportive, but I didn't know a lot of other business owners. And I really also wanted to know women business owners. And so my goal with Hatch Tribe was really to create this community of, of support and true support in a way that's like, hey, no matter what business you're running, come be part of this. And mm-hmm. know that if you have a question, there's never a dumb question. And know that if you need resources, people in this community will help you find them and make the introductions or give you a tool and not make it so hard and complicated. And, you know, it's hard enough as is. Like, so if we can really bolster women and help them step into not only becoming an entrepreneur, but becoming successful doing it, that's the win. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need people that are pursuing similar things mm-hmm. around you. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's kind of lonely and scary. It and it's like, okay, I have this passion and I want to do all these things, but what do I do first? Yeah. And how do I jump in? And, you know, it, it's, un, there's not a whole lot of support around that until mm-hmm. I found y'all. And of course, Mary Beth has been very helpful too, but, oh, yeah. you know, but she's not 24 seven for me. I mean, I would like that. You know. Right. I'm basically on call. Right. <laughs> well, I also think it's sharing experience too. So w- mm-hmm. when I started my business, one, you, you are immediately on this island. And I don't think yeah. you realize when you are working under the umbrella of a, whether it's a corporation or another business, just how many different experiences you share with the people around mm-hmm. you, good, bad, and ugly every day. So it wasn't just the getting into the place where I had a question or I didn't know what I was doing or I wasn't feeling confident and I wanted the guidebook, right? But it was also when things went right. For sure. And you wanted to to share in that celebration mm-hmm. with someone and you're looking around and you're like, well, huh, snaps for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was fortunate enough to have Steve. I had my partner who was on the entrepreneurship road with me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he definitely helped me see and understand that like, you're going to have to find this new circle and community because although the people you have in your life right now, they love you and care for you, they, they can't relate the same way mm-hmm. that another entrepreneur can. Yeah. And so I think one finding Hatch Tribe and finding that community when, when I was first breaking ground on my br- business has been amazing but also being able to evolve with this group of women. So as my business has grown and it's kind of entering into this new phase, if you will, they're growing with me and evolving with me, which just feels so good because you have these incredible women in your corner and we're just all on this journey together, you know? And I think it's like, to me, the word that sits beneath that is like, it's a sense of belonging. And I think that's something that we all want, Mm -hmm. like in in our lives broadly. But I think especially when when you do on a business, to your point, it can feel really lonely lots of the times. And and a lot of time because you're running it and and you have people that might be working for you, but they're not your peer exactly, you know, Mm -hmm. even if they're intimately involved in your business. So it's like you want someone who can kind of echo the sentiments in this life that you're having. And like, it's other business owners that are able to do that for you. And it gives you a real sense of belonging when you find people that are to your point, like on that similar path, no matter where they are on the path. Yeah. Yeah. 
they can they can do the pendulum swing with you. Oh, that happens, yeah. you know, in the span of five minutes yes. from like pure elation to terror. <laughs> right. You know, not a lot of people. That can always happens to that. though, right? Yeah. In in small business or in business oh, yeah. in general, you you have these wins and then you immediately get fear that it's gonna go away. <laughs> yes. You feel so you're unhinged. Like, okay, yeah, you're like, okay, we did yeah. great. Okay. All right. Now when's what? the ball or when's the <laughs> other shoe gonna drop? Yeah. So that I completely understand. And that the support system is essential. I think, you know, mm-hmm. in those moments of real vulnerability, those are the moments when you're like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You're like, and yeah. if it's not going to be okay, it's, it'll, it's also going to be it's, okay. It's all going to be okay. Right. Yeah. And we're learning as we grow, we, we've been dealing with trust a lot. Yes. So as you, mm. you know, and that's you, a conversation you, that you and I had yeah, at the yeah. daily of just, uh, it's, it's hard. It's yep. hard to let your baby be in the hands mm-hmm. of somebody else. Yeah. Right. And, and to be able to like, allow that to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause you know, as we're growing, we're hiring employees now and the staff is growing and, and how do you entrust your vision, you know, with these people? And obviously we went through like a rigorous, like we would like not hire anybody. We like wanted to look everywhere in this long interview process. And they put the seals to shame. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> For real. We were like, For real. It's, it's a bug program. Yeah. yeah. He knows. <laughs> really put them through the ringer. But you know, it's that gaining trust, and Alan always tells me, "He's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm not at the gym today because I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. take time for myself today." But then he sits at home, and that's all he thinks about is what's happening at the gym, mm-hmm. and, and it's about learning to slowly, you know, trust mm-hmm. those around without you. without a doubt. It's not just trusting the people around you; it's reaffirming that trust with yourself, mm-hmm. which I find particularly hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just you know, mm-hmm. as the stakes get higher. And, you, you know, you're going after bigger and greater things, not only trusting the people you brought into the fold, but also trusting yourself at the helm, right. which is really hard. And also if you have buy-in, because if, again, if you go back to those core values and those initial mission that you set up and everyone on your staff believes in that mission, then you can trust a lot easier, I find. If everyone's bought into the idea, mm-hmm. they're going to represent that in a way that's going to make you proud. Hopefully. and if they don't then it comes the other part then then it's the tough conversations that as a business owner I am still learning to have and to be able to confront those moments because Mm -hmm. you want it like you you want to be the nice southern gentleman and you know be sometimes passive aggressive about things and not really deal with things (laughs) all the things and in reality you just want to be like just pick the damn shit up, all right? And uh-huh. then move forward, right? Or clean. But that is integrity, right? Is having the it tough is. conversation yeah. no and matter how difficult it is. Whether it's yes. comfortable or easy, you yeah. know, that's, yeah. And challenging conversations, I mean, again, it's just like all these other things, right? It gets easier over time. So mm-hmm. it's like, of course it's not natural until you've done it. But it's like, neither is anything. Like, if you don't cook and you step in to cook your very first dinner, it's not easy. You're going to burn the shit out of the chicken. Yeah. Okay, cool. That actually <laughs> so, okay. so, side story. story. <laughs> <laughs> so, side story. So, living in New York, you could not have a grill outside. Oh. And, and, like, you know, coming from Texas, like, grilling was a huge thing for me. This is going to be a good one. And, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Shit. And I've always wanted a green egg. You know, which is like I had no mm-hmm. idea what a green egg was. I don't know so what I was that like, is. Mm-hmm. It's like this ceramic like in hay, in hay. egg. Yeah, it's great. It's like based on like, I want to say life. like a Chinese oven sort of thing to it, yeah. but it's ceramic and it's a grill. It has charcoal in the bottom, but it cooks at a, it. It really has a lot of smoke and heat and everything. So we bought it 
and it's like this thing's expensive. Like you, know, you go to the green egg store and you get it and you get it all set up. Yeah, you become an egghead. So they have a store just for this egg <laughs> yes. contraption. Yeah. Yes. yeah, you need to get into it. It's amazing. It, it's oh, it's amazing. Okay. But I said we went and picked it up. I got really excited and I said, okay, great. We're gonna start with chicken because like who can mess who up can chicken? <laughs> and so I get the charcoal going in this thing, and I don't understand temperature. It has a temperature gauge on it. Minor detail. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought you put charcoal in it and like close the lid and wait till it got hot That's and then like cook. Yeah. So I had it at 750 degrees. Sweet. Like tapped it out at 700. It, like it only goes to 700. Is that so, high as it goes? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, and I throw this chicken on <laughs> and I was very proud of myself. I had marinated it overnight. Yeah. I was like all for, for my grilling experience. And you know, it, it was, it, it was crispy and, 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 and black. Was, it, was it burnt? I was very proud. And so I was like, pulled my black chicken off the grill. And I was like, I've done a good job. It's like black and chicken. They have this like in New Orleans. It's yeah. like a thing. Yeah. It's a style. Uh-huh. Sure is. And so I'm like, slice, <laughs> like slicing it up. And I was like, Alan, how did I do? And I like put it in my mouth. And I was like, he's like, I'm going to go check on the rest of the chicken. I put it in my mouth. I waited for the door to close. I went over to the trash can and threw up in the trash can. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I kept, you know, like scratching my tongue, and I was like, I got carcinogens in my system now. I kept trying to be like, oh, this is good, and this is good. Did like, you, t- did you taste like, the chicken? Yes, I tried point? to convince myself that I. Yeah, well, I didn't taste it first, but then I started eating it, yeah. trying to convince myself that I had done a good job. Yeah, and I didn't. It did not. Oh. But it then the second good. time, it was perfect. Then we, the second so time, so I we went made away the- and I learned. Mm-hmm. I learned from exactly. my mistake. I went on YouTube and I learned how to like control the heat you know to get yeah. it to about 400 and actually like do it properly and i'm like i can grill now i'd love the i love the conversation that we've been having though with you hillary just because i i feel like it's a very vulnerable place <laughs> when you have your own business when you're trying to strive for more um that i always talk about that nervous feeling that you have in your stomach that like and jen and i were having this conversation in the car yeah. like i was like does does what you're trying to accomplish make you feel Nervous, mm-hmm. and I, and she said yes, and I said that means it's important. Mm-hmm. It's important to you. It's important to what you're doing. I'm con- yeah, I'm, I'm convinced sorry. with every job that I take, like every new show that comes in my life, I'm convinced I'm going to fail at it. Like in the beginning, I'm like I, I'm I'm I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. But then I just trust yeah. that that I do, yeah. and I just go back on my experience, and it all works out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of diarrhea. <laughs> a lot, yeah. For real, for, sure. for real. Yeah. We yeah. got those dude wipes in the in the bathroom. I mean, yeah. you're opening a business. You have an upset stomach. Yeah, on all a the daily time. basis. Yeah. All the time, all the we time. Got a nice so candle. <laughs> So interestingly, last night, so I was at a wedding last night, and um, I ran into someone I hadn't seen in a, in a while, and she was like, um, I don't know what you're doing, but I see all your Instagram posts, and she's like, you are like so vulnerable, and I love it. And that just made me feel really good. That's good. Because mm-hmm. it made me realize that I've touched somebody. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and even when you're vulnerable and you're putting yourself out there, it's scary as shit. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh, should I really say this? Should I really be opening up? Mm -hmm. Cause it's very scary. And, um, but it definitely made me feel good. So, that's awesome. you know, Jen, you can touch me anytime you want. Oh, I don't know that you would like it though. <laughs> yeah, baby. I might not do it for That's you. It. <laughs> this is my, this is my sex phone operator voice. <laughs> yeah, baby, I knew it was gonna come in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. 
So, Hillary, the question that we ask everyone is if they only knew, what do you wish people knew about you? Mm. Uh, the thing that comes to mind is that uh, despite my very uh, extroverted appearance on the outside, I'm quite the introvert. You know, where mm-hmm. I recharge is alone, where I recharge is when I'm, I'm in peace and quiet and not in front of like the computer and not on Instagram and not doing all the things, but I love it. I mean, I, I love the being with our community and with our tribe and talking in front of people and like doing all of that stuff. But it's like where I recharge is alone and, and what I remind people, and this is why I think that that to me feels important is because often we're judging ourselves and thinking I need to be a certain way. And I think it took me a long time to really own the fact Mm -hmm. that I'm a person who wants desperately to have time alone to like sit in stillness and in quiet and Mm -hmm. like do that stuff. And like, I don't care if I'm not out on Friday at yeah. 10 o'clock p.m. Totally. Or 11 or 12 or 1 or 2. Right. Just yeah. don't care. Yeah, 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 And if I'm in bed at 9, yes. Yeah. You know? That's Winning. a win. So, bed like, at 9 yeah. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also turning 40 this year, and I would like to claim that because, oh. you know. Yeah, girl. Yes. Girl. So Sexy you, time. Welcome yes. to the 40s Sexy club. Times. I can't wait. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hillary, where can people find you, and where can they find Hatch Tribe? Yeah, so uh, everything with Hatch Tribe is at Hatch Tribe. We got really lucky. H-A-T-C-H-T-R-I-B-E. So, you know, HatchTribe.com, on Instagram, all that jazz. And then for me, uh, Instagram is probably my favorite platform. So there, I'm Hillary PJ, just one L. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. That's where. Get it right. It's like yeah. Alan, one L. That's yeah. right. For real. A-L-A-N. <laughs> Please do that laugh one more time because I have a really funny laugh too. And people are like, we love your laugh. And I'm like, <laughs> and you're like, you did a little, <laughs> I yeah, can't do it. There. Yeah, there was a snort I, in there. I can't do it on command though. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm going to have to say something funny. Okay. Great. Save <laughs> for next time. Yeah, save for next time. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Mary Beth. You are a fan of Stranger Things on Netflix. Shameless fan. So (laughs) when Alan and I were in Les Mis together, also in the cast was Gaten Matarazzo, who most of you know out there as Dustin Henderson from Stranger Things. Yeah, He's going to be on the next episode. Shut the front door. He's like the coolest nine-year-old that I had ever met. We like met and I was like, why is this kid cooler than me right now? (laughs) Yeah, I was like in my early 20s and he was nine years old and I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. And he's had just this incredible climb in his career, and I can't wait to dive in with him on it. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be such a fangirl. Yeah. You don't great. even know. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to us. Keep kicking ass out there, and we'll see you next time with Gaten. We'll see you Bye later. Y'all. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Rhapsody Radio. This show is produced by Lindsay Collins with LMC Sound Systems. You can find us at RhapsodyRadio.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Rhapsody Radio Show. You can also email us at info at RhapsodyRadio.com. Rate, review, and share the show. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.